your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow Cami at CamiNG. Just want to remind you that this episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. They're going to give you $10 off your first box. Cami. It is Monday, day after Father's Day. Did you enjoy your weekend? Enjoy time with your dad? I know you're a big fan of Father's Day. So, did you uh, did you get to spend some time with him? I am. I'm a big fan of hanging out with my parents in general. So, I ha- actually hung out with them on both days. It was pretty laid back. Uh, my dad kind of just wanted to relax this weekend. We went out to eat and did all that. But how was yours? I think you went out to the water. We're out in the water, and uh, I'm sunburnt like crazy today because I'm a big <laughs> you dummy. I wear sunscreen. I'm a big dummy, and I don't wear sunscreen. Yeah, I spent some, some time at the lake, some time in the pool. You know, so just try to relax and enjoy a weekend where I wasn't worried about work stuff or anything like that. Me and my daughter just kind of hung out and had some had some fun time. Uh, so we're 75 days away. From kickoff, I'm enjoying this countdown because it just feels like we're getting closer. You know, just last week I was talking about jersey numbers in the 90s. I was just 80s. thinking that. Mm-hmm. And now I it's feel 75. like we were just in the 90s. Yeah, now it's 75. So it's like, all right. So we're getting closer. Uh, it's very exciting. But it's not terribly exciting, Cammy. I know. I was just about to say, um, well, let's hope it's only 75 days away. Yeah, because if you pay attention to the news, Clemson and LSU recently released their numbers on their positive tests for COVID-19, and they're climbing into the 30s, and I, and I thought 13 was bad. I know. I feel like we were actually just talking about how Texas had the most reported cases, but I guess they were just one of the programs that kind of uh, released their numbers first. But I think there's still a couple of schools yet to release their numbers. But yeah, um, 30 positive tests is definitely significant. Um, I know just as many, if not more, are quarantined as well. So think about it. That's a large portion of your football team. But like we mentioned, I think um, they should be testing them on the onboarding processes and things like that I think obviously that number is going to spike just due to um, all of the testing available and things like that but I do think um, it's likely safer for these students to be on campus I think um, they'll be more quarantined in that sense Um, they'll be doing a lot more careful I guess precautions and things like that while they're at their school than maybe they would at home or in a grocery store or things like that so um, I think it's kind of going to get worse before it gets better but hopefully this will all kind of die down before uh, the start of football season. Yeah, and, you know, so I reached out to a friend of mine who actually works in, you know, a football office at a, at a university, um, and I'm going to keep his name <laughs> private just for protection reasons, but uh, he was telling me that the, the smart thing that they have to do, and I don't, and I, I guess most schools are doing this, but when you hear those large numbers, you kind of get worried. Uh, they they what they should be doing is bringing these students onto campus individually, especially when they do their testing and keeping them separate. You know, because I wanted some insight on how they were doing this. You know, how, mm-hmm. are, are they group testing? Are they single testing? And you know, he said the smart thing would be single testing and and bringing them on that way. But when you see large numbers, it makes you think they brought these guys on in groups. 
Yeah, I, I know Texas had two different groups, obviously, that we mentioned underclassmen and um, the veterans and things like that. But when I did see, I guess it was Sam Ellinger posted on his Instagram one day on a story of them getting tested. And it looked like about three or four of them kind of within the same room. Uh, no one was actually around the person getting tested, of course. But um, I did notice at least like a handful of them. Uh, it seemed like they were getting tested at once. So that's definitely interesting. Yeah, it was just it was something that you know, I was talking to him about it, and that's what he told me. He said they should be doing this. And and that's where I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if they are because the COVID thing, especially with LSU and Clemson, um, you know, two teams that are expected to be high up there. And you know, as far as college football playoff and in contention, and you're hearing, you know, a third of their team, because essentially you talk about 90 to 100 scholarship players, and you're you have a third of them that have tested positive. We knew it was going to happen. Like it's like we say each and every time. We knew this was going to happen. You know, I thought it was interesting. If you follow Matt Miller, NFL draft scout on Twitter, uh, he works for Bleacher Report, and he was saying today that this is the first day that he's kind of been worried about if we're going to have college football in 2020. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that teams like Clemson and LSU had so many positive tests. Yeah, but I think it's such an ongoing and fluid situation, like we mentioned. Like, what if in a month from now, let's say late July or mid-July or something, there's hardly any positive cases on each football team? How do you progress from there? And so what if there are still a significant amount? Um, obviously, that'll likely delay the season and things like that. But I think it's still a little bit too early to tell. I mean, the players are just now getting back to campus and things like that. But in terms of individually testing, that's kind of tricky, too, because – um, within that same week, you're expecting them to all have a workout together, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's it's just I'm glad uh, we're not in charge of handling anything like that. It sounds very difficult um, and fragile, but it's such a fluid situation. I think it's too early to kind of tell right now. Yeah, definitely too early to tell right now. And and I think it's too early to panic. Right. Um, you know, with with the surging of cases, you know, even in the state of Texas, we expected something like this to happen uh, mm -hmm. right now. Uh, it's it's going to be how can they weather the storm and hopefully get to a point where football is an option and sports is an option. You know, right now it just seems like with the amount of cases nationwide, it's it's it feels almost impossible to start sports right this moment. Yeah, I think um, if it were to start this month right now, anything along those lines, it'd be a hard no. But um, I think they're still a little bit far enough away uh, to where maybe like mid-July I would start panicking a little. But um, I'd give it about a month or so to see um, kind of the increase or decrease in the positive tests and things like that. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about something that's a little on the positive side, kind of funny thing. Uh, so going through Instagram, I like to go through there every once in a while kill some time <laughs> come across this post from troy aikman mm -hmm. at one time he was an oklahoma sooner right well in this post he's posting about his daughters on father's day you know it was a great message and as you scroll through a couple of the photos that he attached to this one post you got a picture of him and his two daughters but he's rocking a burn orange texas shirt <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny because I feel like unless you go to Texas A&M or something like that afterwards, I feel like most people who grow up in Texas or 
are um, at least living in Texas for a significant amount of their life. I think they at some point cheered or do continue to cheer for the Longhorns. So um, it's just kind of the state team. And so I feel like it's uh, really popular. Obviously, we mentioned Lincoln Riley grew up in a burnt orange household. Now he's the head coach of Oklahoma. So it's just kind of funny. And I guess it's just a little um, something to stir the pot, I guess, for Texas fans. Yeah, so Lincoln Riley grew up in a burnt orange household, like you said. Now he's the Oklahoma Sooners head coach. But what's funny about him growing up in a burnt orange household is he did that while living in Texas Tech country. Oh, out gosh. in Muleshoe, Texas, which uh, Muleshoe actually used to be in the same district as the high school I went to out in Lubbock. So that tells you how close he was to Lubbock, Texas, where the Red Raiders play. So that, that's always funny, and I, I, I get a kick out of it, and I know I sent it to a few of my buddies who are, you know, either cover Oklahoma or that are fans of Oklahoma just to, you know, kind of to jab at them a little bit. Like, look, your former quarterback, obviously he left, but, you know, he's rocking Texas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always think that's uh, kind of funny. But, yeah, it just goes back to my point saying um, at some point, um, a lot of football players who grew up in Texas were Texas fans. Absolutely. All right, guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Locked On Podcast Network. We stand together against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the host, are making donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching all donations up to an additional $10,000. Make your own donation along with us. Please visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash Black Lives Matter. And now I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar has changed the game when it comes to the energy bar. So if you're getting your post-workout in, after you get done, you need to refuel. And that's the great thing about these energy bars. you got seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs, 100 calories, tastes great. And that's a great thing. You need to refuel, grab a Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first box. However, you want to buy more than that? Two boxes, you get 35% off. What about four boxes? 50% off. So you can get four boxes for the price of two. You definitely got to check it out. Check out the different flavors. They got a new coconut flavor that's great. The peanut butter brownie. I've talked about it. The mint chocolate chip. Oh, it's fantastic. I absolutely love them. You got to check it out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Get $10 off that first box or get some more boxes and check out their great taste. And all their proceeds right now are going to organizations to fight social injustice and racism. But once again, go to BuiltBar.com. You won't be disappointed. All right, Cam, let's talk a little Big 12 football. Let's when you do think, it. When you think Big 12 football, you think high-powered offense. Yep, definitely. Hopefully uh, that's in the process of changing a little bit um, in terms of defenses, kind of changing their scheme. But uh, yeah, it's always a uh, high scoring. That's for sure. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I <laughs> want the high scoring. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy to me how much uh, Oklahoma's defense improved last season after changing their scheme a little bit. So um, hopefully that happens with Texas this year. But while we're on the subject of these high-powered offenses, Cami, when you think high-powered offense – is the quarterback the first thing you think of? Yeah, typically quarterback, wide receiver, um, occasionally like a slot receiver, running back, things like that. But yeah, it all starts and ends with your quarterback. So recently I decided I was going to power rank 
all 10 potential starting quarterbacks in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. One I had the most trouble with was Kansas because they have like three or four quarterbacks. Yeah, Yeah. I guess. um, I mean, you put them at number 10 on your list, so I think that's uh, somewhat fitting. I don't think their uh, offense is that powerful in itself, regardless of the quarterback competition. Um, So I think that's pretty realistic to put them there. Yeah, and Thomas McVitie is the guy that I kind of felt like will probably win it. I mean, he's got that prototypical quarterback size, 6'5", 220. He came from Pitt, then he transferred to Mesa Community College and then transferred over to Kansas. Uh, You know, he's never really been a starter at the collegiate level, even when he was at community college. He only started like six games that season. So, you know, he's he's a guy that I think has potential. Mm -hmm. But as far as being proven, that's why he was at number 10. Uh, the next one I had on the list at number nine was West Virginia quarterback Jarrett Daigie. Uh, and if you remember the name Daigie, it sounds familiar. He's the younger brother of former Texas Tech quarterback Seth Daigie, which, ironically enough, was coached by Neil Brown, who's now the head coach at West Virginia. Uh, he transferred in from Bowling Green. He played three games last year, or started the last three games, you know, as they tried to figure out who's going to be quarterback after Will Greer went to the NFL. So it looks like it's probably going to be Daigie again, although Austin Kendall, who struggled last season, might try to get his job back. He transferred from Oklahoma. Uh, any problems with 10 and 9 there, Cammy? No, not particularly. I think um, in terms of offenses as a whole, those are two teams that I'm not uh, too worried about, I guess you could say, in terms of uh, being a Texas fan. But um, I think those are definitely realistic and they're not, um, I guess they're both inexperienced and they're kind of uh, in a position battle. So that seems fitting for them. Yeah. Next up we had TCU for me anyway, I had TCU Max Dugan, I guess is how you say it. Duggan Dugan. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a huge game last year against the university of Texas throwing and running the football. Obviously, they beat Texas uh, 37-27. Now as a sophomore, he's going to try and raise his game because outside of the Texas game, he didn't really have any memorable performances. But I think you add in Zachary Evans, Mm five-star running back. Uh, You know, maybe that offense is looking a little better this season. But just based on the fact that he only had really one breakout game last year, that's why I put him at number eight. Yeah, and I think in terms of uh, number 10 and number 9, Kansas and West Virginia, I think this TCU quarterback probably showed the most potential um, and could be the best of those three. So um, I like him at number 8. And for some reason, TCU always plays Texas really well. So um, once again, they're a team I'm worried about upsetting Texas this season. Okay, number 7, we got Alan Bowman, Texas Tech quarterback. Came off a hot start as a freshman. Then he punctured his lung. So he was out for pretty much the rest of the season. He did come back, but then he was re-injured. Last year, he only got to play three games before going down with a shoulder injury. The potential's there for Bowman. I mean, not a highly touted quarterback. He was only a three-star guy coming out of out of high school in Grapevine. But he started all four years. As a freshman, he was their varsity starting quarterback. But he has the tools, and I think he's good. It's just, can he stay healthy? Yeah, it's clear he has consistency issues, but um, he could be very a very solid quarterback. But I think in terms of who's ranked ahead of him in the Big 12, uh, that was probably a really fitting spot for him. Yeah, that that was the 
I was kind of struggled with where to put Bowman because obviously last season Dugan played more. But I think when you look at him uh, and you look at Texas Tech and the offense that they typically throw out there each and every season, that gives Bowman just a little, I guess, just a little bit above where I had Dugan at. Right. Uh, number six, we have Skylar Thompson, Kansas State quarterback. Yeah, he's one of my um, favorite quarterbacks in the Big 12. I think he could have a very solid season this year for sure. Yeah, one of those guys who's not going to put up 4,000 yards passing, uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, he's one of those guys who potentially could throw for 2,000, run for another 1,000. Right. Uh, he had 11 rushing touchdowns last season, and he's a guy that I kind of look at as, as a guy who can – who can give a defense fits and, you know, even Texas had trouble with them last year and it took a last second field goal from Cameron Dicker to, mm-hmm. to seal that victory. So he's, he's a guy that I think you kind of got to watch out for. Um, kind of along the same lines of number five here, Spencer Sanders out of Oklahoma state. Yeah. I think it was hard uh, debating between these two on whether to put them at uh, five or six. Cause I know um, like we mentioned, Thompson is a competitor and I remember watching him last season thinking, Oh, he's going to give us trouble in the future. Then again, Oklahoma state is probably going to be one of the toughest teams to play in the entire conference this season. Obviously we played them uh, the final game of the season. So that'll be interesting, but um, I think it could have gone either way between uh, Sanders and Thompson on uh, who you ranked ahead. And I actually had I actually struggled with four, five, and six about where to put him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as far as Spencer Sanders, you know he's a freshman. I mean he he was injured towards the end of the season, didn't get to play in the bowl game. Uh, you know, so the, there's obviously going to be questions about is he healthy and whatnot. Uh, but he has Chuba Hubbard and one of the best wide receivers in the country, and Tylen Wallace coming back. So that offense is is you know it's a three headed monster that I really got to pay attention to. And Sanders is another one of those guys that if you give him the opportunity to run, he can make you pay. Right. Uh, number four here, and this is one that I did get a little pushback on and people thought I was too high. I have Spencer Rattler despite <laughs> only completing seven passes at the college level. But I just feel like with the Oklahoma offense, uh, Lincoln Riley, how he, how he is with his quarterbacks, that – you know, Spencer could be right up there, and and not only that, he was the number one uh, quarterback out of Arizona, number one quarterback in his class. And so, you, you look at what he is and and where he's at, and I just think that you know he'll fit right in with that offense. And I think towards the end of the year, he could be you know one of the top three quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I personally don't think it was too high. I think even though he's inexperienced, he's a better overall passer than Jalen Hurts, and he obviously has a ton of offensive weapons around him, especially at receiver, quick, speedy guys, and obviously one of the nation's top coaches in Lincoln Riley. So I like you mentioned, I think he's going to seamlessly kind of fit into that offense. I'm I'm a little curious to see how he does against uh, top competition or playing in hostile environments and things like that that um, you can't really teach. And so – I think this is a fitting spot for him, but like you mentioned, he has a ceiling to uh, be one of the top quarterbacks in the Big 12 for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And then in your top three, uh, at number three, I have Charlie Brewer, Baylor. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who can lead a pro prolific offense. Uh, obviously, he's thrown mm-hmm. for 1,000 yards, 48 touchdowns. He has 16 rushing. The big question is, 
the health because of the concussions that he has constantly been a part of, uh, especially when you go back to that bowl game against Georgia. You know, so it, it's a uh, it's a thing that they have to worry about, uh, considering you know CTE and and you know how the they are mm-hmm. with the brain safety. Uh, you know, so he's a guy that I really like and potentials there to be top three. It's just a matter of staying on the field for Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I think he showed um, what he's capable of already. But like you mentioned, he has consistency issues with staying healthy. But um, I'm also curious to see how they do with the new head coach and um, coaching staff. So uh, that'll be a big question mark this season, I think, in terms of Baylor's success. Yeah, it's going to be a big part of it, you know, under the new head coach, Dave Aranda, uh, with Matt Rule heading off to the NFL. At number two, I had Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people are looking at as a, a fringe round one draft pick at the quarterback position, you know, nearly at 4,000 yards passing last year, 27 touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, his, his football team finished seven and six uh, last season. They did, they did narrowly uh, defeat Texas, uh, but then went on to their bowl game and were blown out by Notre Dame. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that I think another big year with him and Matt Campbell can really help Iowa state, you know, obviously they're doing well with, much lower talent level than any of the mm-hmm. other schools in the in the conference. And I think they're viewed as one of those outside dark horses to challenge teams like Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor, uh, you know, to be in that conversation uh, for a Big 12 championship game appearance. Yeah, I think he's definitely – you can even argue that uh, he might even be the best overall, I guess, quarterback in terms of the Big 12 conference. But um, I'm curious to see how far he can take Iowa State this year. I think that's definitely going to impact his – a draft stock, but I actually think I, Iowa State beat Texas last year. I know it was close within a field goal, but did they? I can't remember for sure. I think they actually beat Texas last season. Yeah, they beat Texas 23-21. Okay, yeah, I knew it was yeah. pretty close. It was, it was a real close game, but they did. Uh, obviously, when I went number one, and, and a lot of people feel this is a homer pick, but I went <laughs> Sam Ellinger. Uh, you know, obviously, two-plus two years a starter, uh, he had the led them to the Big 12 championship in 2018, big time bowl victory over Georgia. You could also argue that he was instrumental in the big in their big bowl win over Utah. Uh, you know, and, and I think as Sam Ellinger goes, so does this Texas team. If he can come out and have a, a very strong season, there's they could make a run at the Big 12 championship and even a college football playoff berth. Yeah, he's literally, literally the heartbeat of Texas's offense. And I'm curious to see how he does under Mark Yersich. I think he'll have more rain in the air and things like that. So um, they, I, I'm expecting, I guess, them to put up more points this year. So he could have potentially the best season he's had yet as a senior. Um, I think that'll definitely help him in terms of his draft stock as well. But uh, like you mentioned, he can kind of do it all. I think he's uh, probably the top competitor in terms of signal signal callers in the Big 12. And um, I think he's just overall uh, has that it factor that's uh, pretty hard to count him out in pretty much any game. And he's shown he can play against top competition uh, consistently. He's always up there with the top and at NFL top college programs such as LSU, Georgia, Utah, like you mentioned. So um, I'm definitely curious to see how he does this season. Hopefully he can make it back to that big Twelve championship game. Yeah, we're definitely hoping for a very good season, big 12 championship, hopefully a college football playoff berth. You know, that would be huge for the university of Texas as, as their recruiting goes on. 
coming up next, we're going to get into the top 10 Big 12 running backs and an update on a couple of baseball players that the Longhorns are waiting to hear back from. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You can head over to rockauto.com, and it's going to save you so much time. Affordability. Availability. You want to find out what automotive parts you need? You can look them all up. They're going to be right there. Low prices. doesn't matter what make it is, what model, you know, which package did you get? Did you get the EX, the LX? They're going to have it all. Be like our friend over at the Locked On Saints. He needed a new tailgate. He went online to rockauto.com. Got his new tailgate. Now his, now his truck. It's looking perfect again. He's got his tailgate on there. So you definitely want to check it out. Go to rockauto.com. They got everything you need at low, low prices. Check them out. So we went over the Big 12 quarterbacks. Now we're going to talk a little bit of the running back position. There are a lot of big names in the conference. And that is, and that we're not even factoring in the young guys like Bijan. I know. Uh, well, some of them we are, but um, some not we Bijan, are yet. I don't think. Yeah, we'll start right away. So we looked at the potential projected, starter, yeah, projected yeah, starter for each team, and, and we're going to start at number ten here. Uh, you got Harry Trotter out of Kansas State. Uh, their top two running backs left, so it looks like he's, he was the third leading rusher last year. Um, you know, so he comes in at number 10. Did you did you have a problem at number 10 with, with Trotter there? No, not at all. I think that uh, position group there at Kansas State is just kind of unknown at the moment. Um, who knows if an incoming guy can uh, beat him out. But, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a big name in the conference, so um, I think that's perfectly fine at number 10. Actually, when I saw the name, I had to go Google who he was. was like, <laughs> uh, Letty Brown, West Virginia, coming in at number nine. You know, they're trying to work in and you know a, a young running back for a team that can't run the football, and you got a young quarterback and Jarrett Daigie, who's likely your starter. So, you know, it's a little, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle up there in West Virginia this this upcoming. I was season. just thinking that their offense is going to. Um have to, I guess, improve quite significantly if they want to compete in the Big 12. But, yeah, like you mentioned, they were, they finished last in the conference last season with uh, rush yards per game. So I think that's a fitting spot. Uh, yep, and here's another one. Kind of like Trotter, you have John Levitt, Lovett out of Baylor. You know, they he split time with Jermichael Hasty. Hasty's gone now, so it looks like it's just him. So I think that um, – He's definitely going to be up there to have a big season, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so, you know, again, you know, he's got, you got Brewer, can he stay healthy? I think Brewer actually helps the running game because they really have to focus on him uh, on, in passing and that'll allow the running back uh, to have a very high yards per carry like he did last season, third in the conference at 6.4 yards per carry. But obviously that was as a part-time runner splitting time with Hasty. Yeah, I think uh, Brewer will certainly open up the run game for Baylor if he can stay on the field. But I think, honestly, you can argue that uh, Lovett could probably move up a couple spots if you're just um, projecting on how it will play out this season. I think with a full-time role, and obviously when he was splitting it last year, he finished third um, in the conference. So uh, I think they're expecting a pretty significant season out of him this year. So um, I think he could arguably be in the top five by the end of the season. 
Yeah, and now we're going to go to number seven. So Roderick Thompson, Texas Tech. And I recently talked to Chris Lovell about him, and he was he was telling me he's like he he told me he's a guy that really people need to pay attention to. Uh, you know, last year under Matt Wells, he he was the primary running back for for a lot of a lot of downs, and mm-hmm. he would ask to be taken off the field, and Matt Wells would tell him just push through, push through. So. You know, they pushed him last season with the expectation level that that's going to pay off this season in using him. And and what's interesting about that offense is they actually ran more plays than they did under Cliff Kingsbury. So if it's believable or not, they actually go faster than they did under Kingsbury. And that's going to play into what Sir Roger Thompson can do because of what they did with him last season. Yeah, I think – this is probably a realistic spot. I honestly probably would have put uh, Lovett one spot ahead of him, but uh, like I mentioned, they just need to prove themselves this year. Yep, number six is a name that we're familiar with, Zach Evans, TCU. Yeah, I'm actually, this surprised me just a little because he's obviously an incoming true freshman, even though he was ranked a five-star, but uh, he did have some red flags and issues off of the field and things like that. So um, I don't know if he's going to be the sole running back there at TCU right away. I think he might have to work his way in just a little. You just never know um, how they translate um, at the next level, but he obviously can, uh, he was a five-star prospect, like I mentioned, he's a obviously a very good player. He has a lot of speed, agility, toughness. So um, I think he eventually will be the starting running back there if everything goes well at TCU. And he could definitely be someone that gives Texas issues in the future. He could be. Uh, number five is Brees Hall at Iowa State. And it seems like each and every year, Iowa State has a one of those tough, gritty runners. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so he's a guy that who was good down the stretch, uh, you know, went up for over 100 yards against Texas. Uh, you know, obviously Brock Purdy is going to get the headlines, but, you know, Brees Hall is a guy who can definitely step up and, and be a good weapon for that offense. Yeah, I think the combo of him and Purdy will be dangerous. And then at number four, we got our guy, Keontae Ingram. We uh, do. You know, he's he's a guy who I think he's got he got better, even better last year than his freshman season. But with guys like Roshan and Bijan Robinson, you know, kind of behind him, you know, there's there's pressure on him to perform so that he doesn't lose, you know, snaps or his spot as a starter, starting running back. But he's a guy who can run the ball well. He can catch the ball, you know, kind of a dual threat weapon for the Texas offense. Yeah, I do think he progressed last season, but he also had some major, major mistakes. Uh, for example, that dropped easy touchdown pass against LSU, which um, definitely could have helped Texas at the time. But I think the competition is going to be so strong at Texas between Bijan, Roshan, and Ingram that um, Ingram likely won't finish as one of the top uh, rushers in the conference just um, in terms of splitting carries and things like that. But I do think he's talented enough to be um, a top five running back in the conference. And then next we have, and we're going to run through these pretty quick here, uh, we have Puka Williams out of Kansas at number three. kind of had a down year last year, so – if he can return to his freshman form, I think that he could be a uh, one of the top running backs taken in the upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. Completely Kennedy. agree. I, I just wish he had a better offense around him. But yeah, obviously yeah. that that's what's going to hurt him is because they ha- they're uncertain at quarterback, and mm-hmm. uh, you know having a good quarterback helps you out. Uh, number two, Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma. Yep, uh, I think. I mean. 
I guess it depends on how Rattler's doing at the time, but um, like we always mention, Oklahoma's offense is just dangerous all around in every position group. So um, they're definitely going to be the team to beat in the conference. So I expect Brooks to do well. And then obviously we know who number one is. Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, kind of a guy who, who should be a real big focal point of that offense. You know, he's going to carry the load. You know, with a young quarterback going into his sophomore season, Tylen Wallace on the outside, you know, Chuba seems to be the straw that stirs the drink for that Oklahoma State offense, though. Yeah, and they definitely have a realistic shot to uh, compete in the Big 12 championship game this season. So uh, definitely Texas versus Oklahoma State, that last game of the season is going to be one to watch. It is going to be one to watch. And that's that's the the ranking for the top 10 running backs of the Big 12. Uh, before we let you go, though, we're going to tell you a little bit of news that we've kind of been waiting on. Duke Ellis, Bryce Elder, were they going to come back this season and play baseball? Unfortunately, not. Bryce Elder has signed his contract with the Atlanta Braves, so he will begin his baseball career whenever they decide to play baseball again. Uh, and then you have Duke Ellis, who signed a undrafted free agent contract with Chicago White Sox. So, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we won't have Duke Ellis or Bryce Elder. And also, Cam Fields has entered into the transfer portal as a graduate. So, he'll be eligible to play immediately wherever he goes. So, Texas has some soul-searching to figure out who's going to be on the mound this upcoming season. Yeah, I think Ty Madden, for example, is a guy that uh, will probably be within the starting rotation. But I think they have a lot of depth at uh well, within their pitching core at Texas. So um, obviously Elder is a huge loss, but I understand why. I think his slot value that he signed for was like double what it was. But so that's kind of realistic. And I think Duke Ellis was a little bit surprising uh, to leave. But um, I guess since the draft was shortened this year and I guess the talent coming out in next year's draft, it kind of made sense for him to go ahead and um, move over to Uh, I guess, begin his professional career right now. But I just don't know if there's going to be any baseball this season. So uh, that'll be interesting in terms of their decisions and how that plays out. But I think Texas um, is doing great. They're especially doing great on the recruiting trail. I think they have a lot of depth. So um, they'll have guys that they can plug in easily. Yeah, I think so as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in for the latest editions of the Locked on NFL Draft with Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak. They do a fantastic job. For Cammie, I'm Patrick. See you on Wednesday. Hook them.